Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to episode two of the Deuce Bags podcast, a podcast solely dedicated to this glorious sport of tennis. In episode one, we previewed the US Open, the final Grand Slam of the year. And this episode, we are going to review the US Open podcast. And with us, we have my co-host, Umara, who's had a week to recover, but she's still hyperventilating with Andy Murray playing in the background on the Davis Cup. So how are we, Umara? I'm good, thank you. I'm I'm all right. Yeah, I'm okay. Like I, uh, you know, I had a week off, uh, you know, to to recover after the final. But <laughs> I'm all good now. That's good. And we also have Daniel Rhodes back with us, who is on mute, but going oohs and ahs as Andy Murray is playing and hoping that they make the Davis Cup final after ages. How are we, Dan? Nervous. Well, not not really. It's two sets to nil up at the moment as we speak. So. If he loses that, then we don't deserve the final. But yeah, it's going to be amazing because it'll be Andy Murray virtually winning the Davis Cup on his own. So we'll talk about that in a bit. <laughs> That's great. So let's get the show rolling. So let's talk about the finals, the men's final, obviously. Uh, Djokovic winning is, what, 10th Grand Slam, I suppose. So, Dan, I think you were waiting for this for a week now and not necessarily Umara. So take the stage, it's yours. So how do you think it went? You've got to be, got to be fair. And I think it's possibly the best I've ever seen Federer play that tournament up until uh, up until the final, and that's more to do with Djokovic's controlling of of Federer and the way he manages to, you know, keep the ball where he wants it and get gets you running, and then he's got the power shots. He's got he's got every shot really, and I think there's only one player at the moment who could get near Federer, and that's Djokovic. And unfortunately, he met him and he met him when he was on top form, and Djokovic needed to be on top form. Um, I thought it was a shame with the crowd, personally. Um, I think they're both as both as good as each other, and they're both definitely personalities. So, but but Roger Federer is a legend, one of the biggest legends ever, especially in the US. He's, he's got a huge fan base there, and you could tell that at Flushing Meadows. Umara, any opening comments on especially Roger Federer? I thought he looked really good as Dan said, tried to keep the points as short as possible, and went for the kill as early. I, th- I think once Edberg has come in, there's a definite change in his game plan is at least my thought process. So, go on. Yeah, I think I, you know, I agree with Dan. He's, he played brilliantly up until the, I mean, he played brilliantly in the final as well. Just, you know, there was some, you know, Djokovic is just a better player at the moment. But, you know, he he sailed through. And But I've seen in other Grand Slams as well, he'll sail through to the semis and the quarters and then, you know, it just sort of comes undone at the end. So, it's just those really top players, I think, you know, he's not maybe up to that, you know, their peak anymore. Um, disappointing, I think, personally. I mean, I watched, oh, that rain delay was annoying because, you know, I had work the next day. Um, so, yeah, I watched. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. There were a few of that. It and was, and my son, my son wanted to stay up. <laughs> my son wanted to stay up and watch, and I said, well, yeah, okay, it starts at nine, and we'll see how it goes. But then, obviously, he had to go to bed. You know, there was no, no way he could stay up. But then, um, yeah, and it started, I think, after 12 o'clock, and it was crazy. I had to... Um, 
stay I was up till I think three something but then when he won the when Djokovic won the third set I just kind of you know I, I had lost a bit of hope then but I, I don't know why I feel like Roger Federer could have won this one this was one of the ones I thought he let slip a little bit there were the, the, the points he had break points he had opportunities to win sets and I just think he was a little bit passive I was screaming at the the TV for him to just take risks, just go for it, run to the net, you know, do do whatever. But I just felt like he let this let some of this slip away. I think he I, I, he says he doesn't watch um his matches back at the end, but I hope he does, and I hope he sees you know that if he could have tried something a little bit different, he tried to rally with Djokovic, and that just never works. He was so aggressive against Vavrinka. Yeah, and, and I just I was didn't take it onto the final. Yeah, I know. And I was thinking, I was like, just go for it. What have you got to lose? You've lost a couple of finals to this guy now and you, you've got to do something. You've just got to go for it and go go a bit crazy. You know, if you lose the point, you lose the point. You know, you lost it anyway, didn't he, in the end? And I just think he was a little bit passive on some of those massive, the, the massive points. Like the, he had break points at the end to level it up and, and he didn't, he didn't do that. And you never know. I mean, maybe Djokovic would have won anyway, but you just never know if he had have leveled it up in the fourth, what might have happened. You'd have been up till five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I would have. I know. I just. I had to be up at six. I had to just. <laughs> it was insane. It really was. It, actually, I was watching till the first rain break, and then I went off to sleep, and then I didn't get up at all. So I switched on in the morning to see the news, and it was showing live. This was around six in the morning. I was like, live. Are they playing seven hours now? Because I didn't realize the extent of the rain break. I was like, what is this? A 40, uh, 37 going on in the 40, 39 going on in the fifth set over. <laughs> then I realized the rain break was like huge. And it was perfect for me. I got up in the morning. Uh, I went to the gym. Gym also had the finals on. And I, I chose every equipment in the gym where I could face the TV. That was the only day I was, my wife was actually saying, let's go, let's go. But I was like, let's say, let's say, let me do some more stuff. Let me do some more stuff. And I was watching the big screen and once the match finished, I came. As, as Umi said, I think he the big points is where the game slipped by. I actually thought with Federer's form, he could have done far more better. But I think the big points slipped away. Yeah, I think so. I think he let this one slip. And it's a shame, really, because how many more Grand Slam finals is it going to be in? Mind you, we've been saying that for a few years now and he manages to creep in a few here and there. So you never know. But If he, if he carries yeah. on the same level as he is now, he's the second best player in the world by some distance. And the is not near. Them too. Yeah, but Djokovic is just, you know, so far ahead that he's even, you know, he's miles ahead of, of Federer at the moment as well. I mean, I know Federer's beaten him in the past and recently as well, but, you know, when he's on his game, I just don't think anyone can beat him right now. And the rankings, I think, what is he, four or five thousand points or something ahead? Something ridiculous like that. Yeah, so, there's no one catching him next year. No, even if he to turn up. <laughs> I, I was actually... In- uh, hoping a lot just due to the Cincinnati Masters and how Roger played there. So I was actually hoping something similar, but didn't go to plan. So let's, since we have talked about the men's final, let's also talk about the whole Federer issue and the sneak attack by Federer. So Dan, uh, have you heard Boris Becker's comments? I'm sure you would have read about it. Yeah, uh, I, read, I read the article you sent to me. I wasn't uh, aware that it had its own little acronym. <laughs> the same, <laughs> that and um, I don't mind it. I think you should do anything that's within the rules. Uh, Becker was clearly annoyed by it, wasn't he? Saying it's a bit disrespectful, but I think it's a good tactic. If it works, you know, if it's, and it's, points it's, it's putting him off. It's it's not coincidental that Becker is the one who's come out against Federer at least once or twice now. At least he's already made comments before, if I remember, once after he took over as Djokovic coaching side. There have been far more comments from Becker than anyone else I can think of in whole of Roger Federer's career. So I was actually surprised because I thought that was a good tactic to put away his opponents. And as you said, it's it's le- very much legal within the rules. So I'm not sure what was there to complain about actually. Didn't, didn't Becker say that if he'd have played, if he'd have done that against him, that he'd just hit the ball at him? Yeah. <laughs> I'd take that as well. You're going to win the <laughs> point, aren't you? He's got, to go, he's got to get up to the service line to be able to do it. So I, I don't see anything wrong with it. I can't see why. And, and with the kind of serves these guys just serve these days, it takes some guts to do what Federer actually did. It takes incredible he, hand-eye coordination. Doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uma, any comments yeah. on that? Yeah, I don't, yeah, he said something about Boris Becker said it was disrespectful. I didn't quite understand what he meant by that. I think, you know, he was just annoyed by the whole thing and it was kind of working and everyone was talking about it. Maybe he wanted to sort of shift the attention 
you know, no, but nobody was really talking about Djokovic that much, you know, apart from the fact that he was, you know, the best player and he's going to win and everything. But, you know, Federer was maybe stealing the headlines and I don't know, maybe that annoyed him. Um, and I know that in, you know, obviously in the past, in the 80s, 70s, 80s, there was lots of rivalry and the players didn't like each other very much and things like that. And he's, you know, that's not really the case anymore. So maybe he was just, you know, thinking about what it was like in his time and how they would have dealt with it. But no, I agree with Dan. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. If a tactic works for you, why not? Go for it. I mean, I love the way he reinvents himself and changes things up in his game. And that's what's kept him going all these years. So why not? What did you make of the crowd? Were you all for it? <laughs> of course. No, but it's not just... It, but it wasn't just in... Uh, we didn't just see it in the US Open final. We've seen it lots of times. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, Dan, at the ATP World Tour finals when um, Murray played Federer. Federer got a bigger cheer than Murray as he walked out. Yeah, it does every that time was... he plays him. Yeah, even, so... at, even at Wimbledon. Yeah, it's, it's just, I don't know what it is. To, uh, well, I do know what it is. Everybody <laughs> loves him. But, um, you know, he's just, you know, transcends kind of all kinds of boundaries and borders with people. And, you know, everyone just te- warms to him. He's, uh, you know, what is it? Recent poll, he was the second most respected person in the world behind Nelson Mandela that just, wow, that's, that's that's a bit crazy that is crazy Fair if you think about it he's it not a politician he's not a I mean I know he's, he does all his charity work and things like that but that that's that's take some doing to come second behind only him so the guy's got a lot of respect all over the world and you know he's a likable guy there's not many people who don't like him I can't think of any anyway but yeah it's just um He's just he just has that reaction wherever he goes. So yeah, I wasn't surprised with the crowd, and especially against Djokovic, there's always that thing that you know the the crowd love him a bit more, Federer a bit more than Djokovic, and it doesn't Djokovic doesn't really like it. And just he still beats him anyway, so it's all right. But but I also found Djokovic postman comments uh, really gentlemanly, if you could term it as that. He's accepted what it is and just gone on with it. As a Djokovic fan. What do you have to say, Dan, about this postman's coming? You you must have read it, right? About how he accepts the fact that Federer is popular all over, whatever we have discussed. But he's just got on with this game. He knows what he has to do. And his single-minded dedication actually just eliminates the crowd, I think. That's that's what he said. He said he needs to earn it. And Federer's had a a much longer career and he's won a lot more. Um, And I, I think, in my opinion, I think Djokovic is a better person out there, you know, with the impressions and stuff. So I don't see any issue with it. It's something that you have to deal with. Just coming back to the final, I've just had a look at the old, the old stats, and um, in the in the final, Djokovic converted forty six percent of his break points, six out of thirteen, and then you look at Federer, four out of twenty three for seventeen percent, and that's why he lost. Because if you have ten more break points than your opponent, and only come and convert less or fewer than what he does, two fewer than what. What Djokovic said, that's the key. If you create break points and then aren't taking them, that, that's how you're going to lose to Djokovic because not many people create 23 break points against Novak. So when you do, you need to take advantage of that. I think Federer should have taken a leaf out of um, Djokovic's book when he, you know, the, when he won those US Open semi-finals when Federer had the match points. He just went for it. I mean, I think he said he closed his eyes at one point and just hit that return winner that he hit a couple of years ago. Just take a risk. Just do something. I mean, you know, he had, like you said, he had plenty of break points, just didn't take them. So he was a little bit passive for me, anyway. Yep, I agree. I think with players like Serena and Djokovic, you actually have to be abnormal to actually stand a chance. The kind of form they are in. Abnormal, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, not the exact way what I wanted to say, but... You, you so, get... <laughs> so, was, so was Roberto Vinci abnormal then? <laughs> I think for the kind of game Serena had, you could term it her gameplay was up. I think her playing quite a lot of doubles actually helped helped her in that. Both actual Panetta got to the semi-finals of the women's doubles as well. So I think that has helped them at least this year. So moving on to the women's final. So did any of you catch the finals? I caught bits of the final. I watched the semi-final with Serena, the whole semi-final when she lost. I was devastated. I was actually I was actually more devastated with Serena losing than Andy Murray, which is weird. But I thought Serena just in the in the third set. If you I don't know if you watched it, the third set it was something like two all, and Serena was winning points and cheering like she'd won the match. And you could see you could see Vinci laughing at her. 
He was just giggling, going, I've got you, I've got you here. Why are you cheering every single point? You're the favourite. You're the one who should be winning this. And you're cheering every point like it's a massive thing. And I, I, I just thought Serena just lost it mentally in the, in the final set. It's like the pressure was too much for her. And, and if you saw the build-up and all the US coverage, it was absolutely, it, you know, this, 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 this tickets for the women's final selling out quicker. Everyone was talking about Serena. Everyone was assuming that she was going to win. Uh, I listened to the 538 pod and they were talking about it and saying it's one of the biggest shocks in Grand Slam history. You know, it was just huge and Vinci was amazing in that third set. And to come back from 6-2 in the first, to lose the first set 6-2 to Serena and then win the next two. Wow. Absolutely what what wow. were the odds on her beating Serena then? Did you know? Do you know, Dan? I don't, not off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> what about I, the I odds would, on an all-Italian final? <laughs> I, I've, I've done quite a bit of um, really, really tiny trading on tennis. And I would say after that first set, she would have been close to 100 to 1 to, to come back against Serena in that game. And I know Serena was massive odds on favourite to win the tournament, never mind that match. Mm-hmm. So it was just... Just a huge. I don't know if it's a bigger shock than Japan beating South Africa in the rugby yesterday, but, <laughs> or, or Norwich beating us today at home. But oh, don't, don't, please! <laughs> but it was, uh, it was a, a huge, huge shock and an absolute credit to her. And I thought she, she, she'd gone in the final. You know, it wasn't there. There's no spark, and she, and Panera just con- controlled mm. her. I think she was so happy to be in the final. She was just. I don't think she was focused really. Panetta seemed like she really was, you know, into, you know, zoned in and knew exactly what she had to do. Vinci was just, I think she just thought it was just fun time to, to be, to be around. They both retired as well, didn't they? Did they both both of them? Okay, I, I, I thought Panetta it was just did, Panetta. Maybe, yeah. Maybe Vinci did as well. I'm not sure. I'll have a look. And I also think that every pre-match where Senna came out and literally said, no, I'm not thinking about it, there's no, no pressure. We are not thinking about it. Just kept piling on the pressure each match mm-hmm. as she came. She kept on insisting she's not under pressure, she's not thinking about it, but you could clearly see it. like it was literally hollow words where, where every thought process was. And the, as Dan said, the way she reacted in the third set, it was very clear what it meant to her. Yeah, I don't know why you would say that in a press conference. And I think her mother turned around and said the complete opposite, which was, you know, just made the whole thing really rather silly. Um, but yeah, her post-match interview was, I didn't like that. I thought she was really bad in defeat. I didn't like that. I know, and obviously she was upset, but she was rather um, a bit rude to the journalists. And mm, I'm not sure about her reaction there. She could have been a bit more magnanimous in defeat. I don't know. She's not used to losing, though. Yeah, she, she has lost in the past. It's not completely, you know, unheard of. She's rusty. <laughs> She's rusty in doing, yeah. After a defeat of doing an interview, that that could be that could be an excuse. Yes, <laughs> Cl- clutching at straws there, but there you. <laughs> so then we are going to talk about two personalities. One we will go through Andy Murray and his tournament, you could argue that it was a disappointing tournament. And we'll also look at the fact that this is the first year Rafael Nadal has not won a slam in 10 years. Last year, is, uh, con- considering how much he's fallen this year, that's like huge feat to imagine what he's done in the last 10 years. So go go for it. You can choose whoever you want to talk about first. I'll, I'll start with Murray with a, um, a, sl- a sideshow of Kyrgios in that first game. Because I have never ever in a Grand Slam seen a player on a break point or an important point that he can just play the easy shot then attempt it through his legs and put it out what is he doing <laughs> what is he doing I was in a state of shot watching it going that's that's an actual point it's, it's not you know he's not, not love 30 love 40 down he's not 40 love up 6 love 6 1 up it's a massive first round Grand Slam match and all he had to do was Play a simple forehand to the other side of the court and wins the point and tries to do it between his legs. Who's this Kyrgios or yeah. Murray? I didn't Kyrgios, see that. Kyrgios, yeah. Kyrgios, oh, right, I did it twice. Oh, and I was just like, this this guy's crazy, absolute crazy. Because if I was his coach, I'd just say, I'm, I'm going to get a new player. I don't want anything to do with you because I can't teach you anything if you're just going to be disrespectful. That is disrespectful for me. I know it's showboating and, you know, sometimes players do skills at football and what have you. But in tennis, there's absolutely no need. You do it between your legs when you have to, when you can't get the, onto the backhand or the forehand and there's only one shot. He, he had loads of time and he just does it between his legs and hits it out long. And I'm <laughs> just... Anyway, just ridiculous. And then Murray's tournament was... 
hugely up and down. Um, I thought I don't think he was at peak fitness. To be fair, he sounded quite ill after after the first three or four days, and then Kevin Anderson just served better than pretty much anyone else in the tournament. Uh, I don't think anyone, maybe Federer, maybe Chilich, but Kevin Anderson's serve was just too much for Murray. And it's not often you say the person saving, serving against Murray um, is too much because obviously Murray's strength is his return. So it, it was just a shame. I didn't, I didn't think he ever really got into the tournament. He had a tough first round, and then you know it was just ill. So yeah, real downer, but. You know, what can you do? It was still enjoyable to watch Federer's tennis, and that, it's not often I say that. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, what about Nadal? What do you reckon about Nadal? Yeah, first non-slam year in the last 10. Is, is it is it done, or is it like a slum which Federer had in between, if you remember, a few years back, and nothing went right for him? I think so. I think we said that on the last pod, didn't we? We thought he'd been struggling. Yeah. He needs to... He needs to get back to the level of peak fitness. He was really poor, though. Oh, he was. It, he has been all season, really. I haven't seen a good, really, a, a good Nadal performance. Did he? You know, I've never seen. I remember Murray beating him in a clay court final, which I never thought I'd see in my life. <laughs> um, so he's definitely not the same Nadal. And Nadal's only been surviving winning a major every year by winning the French. You know, by winning that so many times, yeah. he only needed to win one. So that's kind yeah. of why he's done it. And then this season, his, his clay court game wasn't even there. So, yeah, it's a shame. I, I hope he manages to get his fitness or sort his knees out. Um, but knees are a tough one in tennis. They don't get any better, do they? His greatest strength was just to keep the point going, going, not making errors. Then you would literally be, you would be thinking the point was done and you would change the weakness to a strength. And I think that's what we have not seen at least in the last 18 months now. His record this year has been... In the Grand Slams, quarterfinal, quarterfinal, second round, third round. So you're right when you compare it to maybe a, the slump that Federer had. Um, but yeah, he's, um, I don't know, I've been reading up and some people saying that he might just benefit from a change of coach. But, you know, Uncle Tony's so part of, so, so part of his life that I don't know if that's possible. But yeah, I think maybe that might help. I mean, just a different perspective, a different, you know, idea, some different ideas. It can get a bit stale after a while, can't it? What, there's but, only so much but, some one person can offer. Yeah, but his whole game is based, you could say, I'm not sure whether it's the right way to put it, but you could say it's it's like what you say in football as counter-attack, literally. His whole game premise is based on a reactive counter Just to just just grudge it out till someone loses. It's like last man standing on a tennis court. So I'm not sure, what, is there a change of style we need or he just needs to get fit is my question. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they can change his style. Like I say, he just runs and gets it back, and he's got the big forehand. He hasn't got a big serve um, on clay. Just seems to keep it keep it in all the time. I don't know. You know, he hasn't got. I think with Federer, Federer's got all the shots. So just a different coach gives you a different focus on some areas of your game, and you can use strengths that haven't been strengths before and turn them into strengths now. Whereas with Nadal, I don't think he's got the range of shots, the range of ability. That, um, that Federer and Djokovic have got. So, yeah, I'd, I'm not sure coaches do it. It's, like you say, it's fitness. So was it just fitness. his stamina that was pulling him through all these matches? I mean, obviously he's talented. I'm not saying he's not talented, but, he's, you know, it's more hard work than talent, as where maybe Absolutely. the opposite with Federer. Absolutely. Mm. Isn't it? Because if you... what Nadal hasn't got a good backhand, has he, really? He's got a massive top-spinning forehand. Um, yeah. he, doesn't, he rarely comes to the net. His serves not particularly fast, but his stamina was better than everyone's until Djokovic came along, and, and Murray's kind of overtaken him now. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what he can do, and it looks like it's going to be a, a sad decline. And I hope I'm wrong. I do hope I'm wrong. I, I like Nadal. So would you say this is the best quartet you have seen though, Dan? Play together if Andy Murray makes into the quartet. It's the best, the best era of tennis by some, by some distance for me. Um, the standard now, Federer wins that tournament every single year playing like that, but he's got one guy better than him. Um, Djokovic, is, for me, has taken tennis to another level. Um, and then Andy Murray would have probably won eight if he were playing when Sampras and Hedman were playing. So, you know, it's it's just a it's just a ridiculous standard. And then you've got Vavrinka, you've got that other players, other talented players out there. And, you know, that's, that's, that's the difference. And that's why a major now... We mean so much, and if Federer can get another couple, 
I think these th- those those slams would be the best of his career, and I think he'd probably admit that afterwards. There is there's just something which has come up on my mind off the cuff, and I was discussing with a couple of my friends, and there are a couple of them who had the view that Federer seems to be struggling in the slams just because it's best of five, and though he wins it in three, it's just compared to a normal tournament, it's one set extra every round, and you have more rounds than your normal Masters, you have more sets, and some he. There is a viewpoint that it, it at the end catches up with this age. So, Umara, going to you first, uh, what is your opinion on this viewpoint? Do you think it's it has some validity? I don't think so. I don't think for the you can argue from the fitness point of view because I think you know he's he's fit you know he's fitter or you know than a lot of the the guys on tour probably just one or two who are more fitter than him. But um, might be a mental thing. He, you know, maybe he can't sustain that for for the for the whole five sets. And you know, back in the day, five, six, seven years ago, when he was winning everything, you know, every nobody came into the match thinking they had a chance against Federer. When now they do, they can, you know, everybody who even who he plays in the first, second, third round, they, ha, you know, they have a, a belief that they can beat him. Um, but when it comes to the end, you know, when it comes to him playing Djokovic or Nadal or Murray, it's possible that it's a it's a that's a mental thing. I, I don't think it's a fitness thing. I I don't think so. Anyway, don't know if Dan agrees. I don't. I don't agree. I, <laughs> I, I, I think didn't I say this in the previous pod? I said the reason I was talking about it with my friend. In fact, it was my friend who said it. He said um, Federer. You know, Federer won the the, the Masters series before, and it was just a week tournament, and. He only had to get to the Sunday, and it's only seven days, um, and that's when he beat Djokovic in the final. And then he said to it, said to me, if it gets to the, the reason he's not doing it in the majors is because, even though his game's just as good, his stamina isn't what it was, um, because just because of age, you know, he's, he's not, he's not as young as Djokovic, he's not as fit as Djokovic, and Djokovic, when he gets to that final, when he gets to the semis, he's still, he's still he is fresh. Um, whereas Federer doesn't, and Federer's standard, Federer probably played the best tennis out of the whole tournament, but he just didn't have the, the, that just, that fraction of a percent that you need in the final when you're playing. Like I've just been saying then about the break points, if he's fresh and he's mentally fresh, physically fresh, he's going to win more than four out of 23 break points. And, which is what he did in the final against Djokovic the previous fortnight. So, uh, I, I, I think it, I think it is a fitness. And if he did, if he wasn't playing Djokovic, he'd have beat them. Because it, like, like Kamara says, he is still a fit, fit player, but just not as fit as Djokovic. And, and when your games are very similar and you're both playing to a similar standard, the, 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 the tiny percentages are your mental, your mental freshness and your physical freshness. And I think, uh, the final for me showed that Federer wasn't quite there 100%. Well, even though it's over two weeks and they have a day off in between, and and Federer won all his matches quite quickly. Yeah, he did. But I mean, Djokovic did as well. I think I don't mm. know how much time they had on comparable or games comparable. But when Djokovic is now at his peak, which he has been this year, I think to mm. to 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 be <laughs> of a higher peak than the possibly the best player of all time is uh, is is a big standard. And so yeah, just just got to say that Andy Murray's just. Just won the semi-final of the Davis Cup for Great Britain. So, uh, well yeah. done, Andy. First time in about 50 years, and if they win it, the first <laughs> time in about 90. I th- who are they going to play? Is it going to be uh, Czech Republic or... Is it Argentina? Argentina, or Bel- yeah. And Belgium, it? that's it, that's it. Belgium. So when, and, uh, when is that semi-final, is that? I think that's currently on, so we need to... Oh, that's also going on. Interesting. And that's going to be after the ATP World Tour finals, the week after the final? Yeah, and I hope they play it in Glasgow again. I don't want it to go down to Wimbledon. Well, they were saying if they play Belgium, they'll play in Belgium. But if they play Argentina, it will be in Glasgow. Yes, because Belgium are the higher seeds, aren't they? So they right, get, I see, they I see. I, I'm not quite sure of the Davis Cup rules, but I think we'll come back to that later. Maybe you can give us a quick <laughs> overview, because I'm not sure how some of that works. So, Belgium are currently two, trailing 2-1, I suppose. Dan, uh, is that right? Yeah, the, the Argentin, Argentinians um, won, won the doubles, which is a... Which is a, it's, you know, it's crucial to win the doubles in any Davis Cup tie, especially if you've got strong, uh, a str- one strong singles player, it just gives you a, a huge option. And who was it? Burlock um, and Mayer defeated Bellemans and, and Darcy. Uh, my pronunciation's terrible, but yeah, that, <coughs> that's 
Yeah, and it's on a hard court as well indoors at Belgium. So we'll, we'll see. I, I'd like to. I'd like Argentina to win, so they play in Glasgow. Personally, because mm. I think if yeah, if they play in Belgium, it's going to be on an indoor clay court apparently. So that's no good. That's think, absolutely so. no good. <laughs> <laughs> so we're sporting Argentina then, are we? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to watch that later. That's a big. I generally think if uh, Argentina win and they're playing in Glasgow, that, that Andy Murray can win another three games. Because did you see them yesterday in the doubles? Him and his brother. They were superb. Yeah, I've really, caught some of that. Yeah, really, yeah. you know, encouraging each other. And after a little bit of spice between them, um, when when Jamie beat Andy recently in a doubles match, <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> it was nice to see. You know, they seem to have such different games. I just think they should make their mother the head of tennis in the UK and just say, <laughs> "How do you make tennis players?" Because <laughs> there seems to be an issue with us, and in that we like to um, like to keep the British players here and coach them here when. She, obviously, famously, she sent them to Spain, or she sent Andy to Spain because the facilities weren't good enough here. And I, I, if you gave her the responsibility to nurture players how they needed to be nurtured, she's clearly very good at it. So <laughs> instead of paying, isn't she people, um, the Fed Cup team sort of? Oh, is she the head of the Fed Cup? Team? I, I think she's something she to, to do with that of, as well. Uh, not she used to be head of tennis in Scotland, and she's oh, obviously right. just focused on mm. all on her sons. <laughs> Well, yeah. she knows what she's doing, so you know yeah, it's exactly. not a bad shout. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, no. but I love the atmosphere in the Davis Cup final. You just don't get that in any Grand Slam or any, even the U.S. Open final. I know that was quite it was buzzing, but the the atmosphere in the Davis Cup is something else. I was just watching the Andy Murray match, and it was it was really really you know it was brilliant. You get that on a Sunday at Wimbledon when it rains a lot, and then they let the public in rather than yeah, I all, remember all that. <laughs> Mm, yeah, I know those kinds of you know just people really enjoying themselves. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Rather than the reserved just, Wimbledon crowd, sometimes you get people coming mm. in who aren't usually there, and it makes a difference. Same with the Olympic final, um, that was quite rowdy as well because they didn't have um, elite tickets. So yeah, it was yeah. good, and and I genuinely hope Argentina win because if Belgium win, there's no way we're beating them on clay. Really, no chance. I, I think they're specialists and. Their specialist could beat Andy Murray on clay in a singles, and it's very tough to play three clay, five set clay court matches in three days. You know, you usually get a break when you're playing the French day on, day off. Whereas in the Davis Cup, it's three and three days, and if the first one goes to five. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Like in this game, if, if Murray had gone five sets in the, in the first singles, they wouldn't have played the doubles because it would have been too much on court. So that, I think it, that's what makes a difference. And obviously, clear court points are a lot longer. So you get more tired, you get tired. So I'm not sure it, I'm not sure it would work on a player. But I hope I'm wrong. I do hope I'm wrong. Yeah, India just got knocked out of the Davis Cup. Uh, oh, they lost 3-1. I think the whole problem was they 
literally everyone in the whole world assumed that the india will win the doubles i think as dan said that was the most crucial and we had really solid doubles pair but you could say that they haven't played together and they lost like literally that was one one of the ties in the bag but unfortunately they lost to Czech republic and uh, the singles was never the big hope for india so 3-1 india has been eliminated now again the play of rounds and it's been last 3 4 years we have lost in the play of rounds we played serbia once uh, now this year we played Czech republic there was no burdich but still we lost so everywhere we seems to be losing and i think you could also say that pace played in the davis cup after a long while and him being the senior pro it was it literally became mandatory that he had to play but it was not very clear that they looked i think bopana and pace together didn't look like working in the doubles and they lost really tamely considering the really great record of pace i think in the opener he has one of the best davis cup records if one can talk about that so so i think it was disappointing but always next year is there i i think du- double seems to be the main hope for india at least and losing the doubles literally killed the tie which group is it which is it the world group or is it the one yeah the world group playoff i remember lots of them for britain <laughs> I, remember, <laughs> i remember going underneath the one below that when it was when when I'm yeah yeah every year we literally go down then start starts and then last 3 4 years now we have been at this playoff level we just can't seem to get past it because as you said we need one solid single every year we have won the doubles but we need one solid singles player i think that's where we have been having problems the players are nowhere ranked close to the in the top 100 at least we have somdev verman but he's got injured in the last 18 months or now and he's fallen off the rankings i think that's been a problem this time around i think lack of real singles ability and losing the doubles literally killed the tie I'd change the format of the Davis Cup. I'd have, I'd have two singles the first day and two doubles the second day, and then one singles to decide it if it's needed. Um, I think the one, the one doubles match on the second day is not enough, um, and I don't think it, it's fair to have four singles and one doubles. Um, I'd, I'd much rather, I'd much rather see a balance between doubles and singles. It might promote the game of doubles as well more, and it just gives more people a chance and different styles of play and different players. Rather than just like we've seen with with the Great Britain team this year, you've got an amazing singles player, and then he if he can just possibly get into the doubles as well, then he manages to virtually win all the ties by himself, and it's it's good for the GB, but I don't think it's what the Davis Cup should be about. It should be about having your best five players and getting the, the skills and the different levels that they've got in the doubles and. That's what I'd rather see rather than just one player winning both singles in a doubles game, and then like the drop-off level to the to the next singles player in the UK is is horrific. You know, you've got was he ranked three hundred or something, Dan Evans, when he played Thomas the other day. You know, that kind of disparity is I don't think it's healthy, not for a team sport. Yeah, we for Czech Republic we had Rosal playing for Czech Republic, and he's in the top fifteen, I think. Must be, I think, and we are nowhere near the top hundred. So the huge disparity there. The real lack of singles players is killing the Indian Davis Cup team. But at least year on year, there's an improvement being seen. I think there are a couple of new players coming up. So I think that's good signs at least. And this hurdle needs to be crossed. It's been quite a long while since we crossed this hurdle. But Shree, you had some success in the U.S. Open, didn't you, in the doubles? Couple yeah, of new winners there. So you want to tell us about that? I'm sure you've been holding it in all all this while. Let it yeah, out. Yeah, I told. <laughs> remember episode one? I said if these if these girls turn up, there is no chance anyone is even going to dream about winning the women's doubles. And as we discussed, there's little no chance. They swept all opposite. They had a slight stumbling block in the beginning, but once they got into gear, like literally, they just swatted away their opponents. Now I think Hingis now has what close to 20 majors. I think. in all, across all categories i think hingis has just swept up majors this year she's won two with sanya mirza in the women's double she's won three in the mixed doubles with pace so five grand slams in the year for hingis how how old is she now not sure if somebody can look up must be what 33 34 i'm guessing okay. i'm not she's... sure she started so young it looks ages ago yeah she's like a pretty <laughs> I thought you were going to say she's 40 or something. When she was like 14, I remember seeing Hingis start. One of, one of the youngest I've ever seen. She's 34 now. Oh, right, okay. So you, you said that right. But yeah, she started one of the youngest I've ever, I've ever seen at Wimbledon. And then didn't she stop for a while and then come back? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she had out. she, she had out. huge foot injuries. Ah, she couldn't. Yeah, she's come back this year, but actually she started playing this World Tennis League, and that's where Pace and Hingis got together. So then they decided to give it a go in the Grand Slam, and through Pace she got in touch with Sanya because Sanya was playing with uh, Bettany Sands. Matic Sands was her regular partner, so but she switched. And the problem, the great thing with uh, Sanya and Martina was they paired together and they won the first two tournaments. I think at least they won the first one they started. So there was huge rise of experience. Now, like there is no competition in that field literally when these two play together. And great thing with Pace now he's in the Open era he's won the most mixed doubles. Now he's moved ahead of Mike Bukhdi. He's won nine Grand Slams now, 17 all over career. So great career. Three three Grand Slams at this age. What he's now 40, 41, I think. He's going to give a chance till Rio Olympics, and he's going to see that's going to be his seventh Olympics. I think he's played from Barcelona 92. I think seven Olympics. That's 92, bad. 96, 99, 2003. Sorry, 92, 96, 2004, 8, 12. 12. He missed Eight. one in between. Oh wow! Yeah, 96. He won the singles bronze. Do, um, that spanning 23 yeah. years or something? That's ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> He's 40 or 41 now. Oh, no okay. Um, have Hingis and Thingy ever played um, the Williams sisters much? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think they are taking double seriously more than you could think about uh, yeah. Mirza. The problem is Mirza and Hingis' game are so common. Mirza has a huge forehand. I would I usually call a forehand as time bombs. Literally, it's that forehand is like unplayable in doubles, especially when you consider women's doubles. The power her forehand is like literally unplayable, and so just she Hingis is at the net, just ending points away, swatting away volleys. So it's it's literally like a day's work for these two. But pace is what has impressed me. Three Grand Slams at the age of forty. I mean, hundred plus partners, nineteen, seventeen Grand Slams, nine mixed doubles. He's won with both Martinas, Martina Navratilova and Martina Hingis. Imagine Pace and Martina Navratilova though. One was 36, 37, another was like 50 plus. Why is it, do you think, that um, you, there's a there's a greater level of longevity with doubles players? Is it less running? Um, more, uh, more experience? You're asking especially with Indian players? In general, if you know, there seems to be... Um, you know, Nat Ratalova was famously, she went on for a long time in the doubles um, at Wimbledon. I remember her playing went into her 40s. You know, and there's quite a few older yeah. older doubles players, unsuccessful. You know, they seem to be challenging. Do they kind of take it more think, seriously than yeah. some of the singles players? Or? Yeah, I think they. you should also remember at, at that age, the co- area coverage required is also very less compared to singles. I think that's sustainable. And the ranking points, major ranking points up for grabs are at the slam. So you, you can afford to skip one or two tournaments in between. And especially if you have the gulf like what Hingis Mirza have with some other teams, you could afford to skip tournaments if you didn't pay, pick it the last year because you're not going to lose points. I think you could afford And the ga- games are shorter, obviously. So that also helps. But with respect to Pace, I think he, he knew ages ago that singles was not his forte. And I think that is the problem with at least Indian tennis. There is no huge support for single players. Everybody who seems to have achieved now is in double. So infrastructure support is not there. Financial support is not there. And the, their game is, the power game is not suited to Indian. You wouldn't call their game based on power. It's more of finesse and hand-eye coordination. If you see Pace at this age of 40, his hand-eye coordination is like, Incredible. I, you wouldn't believe some of the shots he pulls out. I'm like, half the times I see his games with, like, with my mouth open. It's like unbelievable his hand-eye coordination. I think that's what suits his game. I think finesse, is, finesse and touch game are the forte at least of Indian players looks like currently. So I think I see most of them succeeding in doubles rather than singles. It makes no sense for 43-year-olds to have better hand-eye coordination than... <laughs> the, the younger players, but I mean, if that's the experience to know and anticipate where the ball's going, your reactions don't need to be as quick, do they? Because you, if you know through experience where the ball's going, you can get there a little bit quicker. Because I noticed Andy Murray yesterday made quite a few errors in terms of positioning, in terms of anticipation, and he's just not used to having only one side yeah. of the court to cover. I, and I guess I think singles, yeah, exactly. singles players do need to play doubles. I think it helps the singles game far more than people are thinking. The ability to judge angles is like incredible if you play doubles. I'm volleying, I think it's just volleying. scheduling, isn't it? They just can't fit it in their time. 
Yeah, that, that's that's the problem. The scheduling is what is the killer. I think ATP are not also doing great to promote the doubles. They came with this, like, the removing the advantage and all. I don't know. I think it's still on, right? I, I Except on the Grand Slams. It's, there's nowhere near enough promotion of doubles, and it's not taken half as seriously or covered anywhere near as much. You know, the only time I hear about doubles is when Jamie Murray's doing well. Uh, <laughs> it's strange. They never... It's, they only ever mention the doubles when there's a, a Brit doing well, and I think that's unfair because I'd like to see it more. They only ever, you know, they don't show it. And if they showed it more, then people would watch it. If they covered it more, people would watch it. And it, I, you've got to be fair, some of the some of the men's singles games aren't as exciting as some of the doubles matches that you see. Um, in terms of actual tennis, you know, there's long rallies and there's great volleys, and you know, when they're all volleying it together in the, over the net. You know, you never get that in singles. It's serve, return, serve, return. So, yeah, yeah I, the doubles, I'd like to watch it more. I actually grew up watching the Legends doubles and it was like so much fun. I can't tell you, I've never even been entertained till day watching singles. The Legends doubles is something to watch. It's exactly what you described, especially players like Leconte playing and all. It's hilarious to watch. It's like you can't believe they're actually pulling off stuff which they do actually. Legends doubles is the thing to watch. The scoring a little bit different in doubles as well because I know you, they don't have the advantage, do they? And then yeah, that's what. In do they have grand the, slams. the the third set? I don't know if that's just in the ATP it's, World It's a race to ten. That's it. So is that all across in all tournaments? I thought maybe it was yeah, non grand slams, non grand slams. And in the grand slam, is it just the usual three sets then, or is it five for the men? I think Wimbledon has decided it won't be. I think other grand slams. Or is it not only the finals? I don't think they follow that rule. If I can reflect, I think only the final they don't follow that rule. They play like traditional, but usually all across the year it's like there is no no advantage. It's a race to ten. That's what they for. I don't like this race to ten. To be fair, I, I usually don't watch the third set when I, if it's one set or like because it's literally like what your penalties in. Football. Yeah, it's, it's a, like a tiebreaker, isn't it? And then you could have yeah. the person who's not so deserving of the win win it, if that makes sense. Because tiebreakers are really um, unpredictable. Anything could happen. It's just a point here or there. So, yeah, I understand. Even in tiebreaker, it's a difference of two is the main reason. Here, it's literally a race to ten. With the difference of two. So, it's like once you reach ten, the game ends. Even if it's ten-nine? So, oh, I think there is a difference of two, but... It's the question is I as as a deciding set I don't like the, the rule. That's what I'm trying to say. As so it's a exactly the same the match, as a yeah, exactly the same as a singles tiebreak, but it's to ten and not yes, seven. Yes, but but and but they have to it, win it by two. Usually you don't have a tiebreaker in the deciding set. At least in Wimbledon, I preferred it the whole format. They wanted to make the game actually ATP tried to sell it as more attractive, but reality was they wanted to make it far more shorter. Scheduling, it's isn't shame, it? Yeah. yeah. It's I don't like so, I don't like the first to ten either. It's not tennis. You have got to have a set before you get to a tiebreak. You can't just have a set as a tiebreak and first to ten <laughs> points. That's not fair. Yeah, you know, the best of three is not a big match, is it? Yeah, and I'm not trying double J, especially the sets don't last long because the points are very shorter compared to singles. So I, it would be a question of what we are talking thirty to forty minutes, maybe in a set. I'm not sure how much difference is 30 to 40 minutes going to make, actually. Agreed. Agreed. I'm not sure. Are there any other points you both want to talk about? Uh, year and championships? Yeah, oh, just... Yeah, just um, that, yeah. yeah there's, there's four qualified already, according to uh, uh, the Barclays ATP final site. So, um, Djokovic, Murray, Federer and Vavrinka. They've, okay. they've all qualified. And then, Who are the next four? Uh, Bird, Birdich, Nishikura, Nadal, Ferrer, and then challenging for the, the final spots are Gasquet and Anderson. I do love the format of the, the year in championships, though. I think it's brilliant. And I, the fact that it's in London is even better for me. I've been there a couple of times. Have you been week. to watch it? I have. I saw Federer Djokovic. Was it last year or the year before? Yeah, I think it might have been the year before. They, um, yeah, Djokovic beat him in three. I mean, I just love the fact that all of the matches are like finals. I like Grand Slam finals because you know they're all the top players playing each other. 
Were you crying? Really, really... Were you crying after <laughs> <laughs> No, I wasn't crying. It was the round robin. I was okay. <laughs> he qualified in the end. <laughs> and then I saw I saw a couple of years before that Mardi Fish and play Federer, and he won that one. That was good as well, I think. But it was it was one of those meaningless ones. He'd already qualified. But anyway, it was nice to see him live. What's it like in the O2 tennis? Yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, it's full, full sellout. Yeah, getting out of there was hard. It's just for a mass of people. But anyway, yeah, no, it's really, really good atmosphere there. Uh, the, the seats at the top, though, I don't even understand how people can see what's going on from up there. It's just that probably can't even, they can not, probably not even see the play, you know, the players there that high up. don't know how people like, can see it in Flushing Meadows right at the top. It's so high. Yeah. You know, maybe they go for the atmosphere, really, but, you know, you're probably better off watching it on the telly. But, um, yeah, I, I managed to get some good tickets at the, on the sort of the lower tier, so that was quite good. Took my son once and then worked with a husband a couple of years before that. So, yeah, yeah, it's good. I'm hoping they keep it here for a while. <laughs> I love it. You're planning on going this year? I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I've, um, I've uh, My job's a, p- a part-time one now, so I can hopefully work my um, hours around that. So that's why I couldn't go last year. The job wouldn't allow me. Feather and Moret. Yeah, strange. yeah, that would be a good one. Yeah, yeah. I had to um, watch a night match once, which was not really what I wanted to do. Just the getting out of the O2 at eleven o'clock at night with an eight-year-old was quite hard. Wow. <laughs> he was. I had to walk around some really dark alleys to get to my husband, who was waiting for me in the car somewhere. It was quite quite scary actually. But um, yeah, day matches are good, so hopefully you know I can go to one of those this year. Oh, you'll have to give it a live report. I will do. <laughs> I will do. I will do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I do kind of tend to wait to see who's playing who. I don't just. Some people get tickets well in advance, but I like to see where I'm. You know, who I'm. I would obviously want to see Federer, so <laughs> I wait until he's um he's scheduled or because they only do it the night before, I think. So I have to wait, see who's playing and when. Good, good shout for Federer to win this one if it's only a week tournament. <laughs> mm, yes, possibly. <laughs> Small problem of Djokovic though, still there. Last year was, um, you know, quite sad when he had, when he pulled out at the end. It was at Davis Cup final. Otherwise, I think he probably would have struggled through. Yeah, and Federer was making his 14th consecutive appearance since the yeah, final. Yeah, that's something, isn't it? It's record something. Mm. And it was he won it six times, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So. Djokovic three. Yeah, but yeah, it's probably Before between we... those two again, I think. <laughs> I, I was just going to say before we close it, do any of you remember your great floater shouts you made it in part one <laughs> and how it went? Because I remember having a discussion with like uh, um, Umara. Umara was like very quick to pounce on my prediction, but there was no sound six hours later. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, no, we, we all got our men's singles champion right. That was pretty easy, we and we and everything else was wrong. Really, <laughs> I, I picked Nishikori <laughs> as my dark horse, and he went out in the first round. <laughs> And uh, I, I'm not sure, Dan, you know this. So the moment I, I had picked Anna Ivanovich, if you remember, and she lost in round one. And like within a minute, there was a uh, tweet from Umara <laughs> King saying, yeah, oh, so much for your dangerous floater. And six hours later, Nishikori was out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I held my hands up. I was like, you know, God, I obviously get this wrong as well. Um, but yeah, well, who, did you have, who was your dark horse, Dan? We've forgotten. Probably Federer. No, <laughs> no, no, you can't say I can't, that. I honestly now. can't remember. Oh, <laughs> he was I think it was Rad, Rad, Radvinska in the in the women's. Um, she didn't. She didn't do much. Did she? Was it? What, did she get no. to the quarters? I can't remember. Did she? I can't remember. Oh, Azarenka was yeah. it? Was it I don't know. Yeah, I think you, your shot was Azarenka. Azarenka yeah, that was quarterfinal. So uh, I can't remember who the, who the man's one was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to listen back. Disappointed when Azarenka went out, I thought, oh god, she's the only one who could possibly challenge um, Serena. Because I, I just wanted a match. I wanted really good matches, and and then Vinci did her thing. <laughs> who would have thought it? An all Italian final, hey? I'm the Italian prime minister turned up as well. <laughs> yeah, I think he came on his uh, Air Force jet or something <laughs> yeah. overnight. Wow. And, but nice. yeah, that was something. That was really, really good. It was good. Good for, I don't know if you could say good for tennis, because I think some people would have loved to have seen, you know, a lot of people would have loved to have seen Serena do her slam, but it's nice to see other players win as well. Gives them a little bit of, you know, exposure, poor things so, <laughs> in Serena's so, shadow forever. <laughs> so some early shots, do you think she can do it next year? 
Will Serena win the slam? Yeah. No. I don't, no. I don't no. I don't. I don't think. Um, I think it's too much. I think she's going for it big time this year, and she she arranged the whole the whole thing around her winning the majors. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure she's in her mind in it anymore. Uh, I hope she wins as many as. Um, was it Margaret Carr who's won the North Star? That's yeah, twenty four. And then uh, Steffi's got twenty two. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure she's. I hope she does, but I'm not sure she will. Um, yeah, I think she'll probably win two. She'll probably win the US Open next year, and, and she's awesome at Wimbledon. So I've struggled to see anyone else beating her there. But I think there were better clay court players than Serena. I think she had a lucky draw this year, and I can't remember, I can't remember the Australian Open for the females. Yeah. So, Umara, you agree with two, or you think she can actually win? Well, it depends. We have to see how she bounces back from this, because this was a big deal. Sometimes, you know, these things can set you back a little bit. Um, we'll have to see how she does in, you know, the year-end championships for the ladies. It's in Singapore, isn't it? Um, but, yeah, you can't really write her off. But then again, you know, we'll have to see. It's, I mean, the Australian Open is a long way away. It's not, it's not just around the corner, is it? So, I don't know. I, think, I reckon she'll win a couple, but then... You never know. <laughs> Strange um, life of woman, women's tennis. So the last segment, this off the cuff, I'm sure you both are not. So you, I want you both to name your favorite moment or something related to the US Open. If there's something which you like to see. I've already, that... I've, already, I've already mentioned mine. I'm not sure it's a favorite <laughs> moment, but it's a mind-blowing moment. And that was Kyrgios in the first round against Murray. When I <laughs> either, either, so... he's, either he's being paid to, to throw the match or he's possibly the most the most extraordinary exhibitionist we've ever seen at tennis because for a player to do that when the point matters, it, it defies belief. It defies mm-hmm. belief. Go and watch it. YouTube it when you get off this. I might have to. I didn't, watch, I didn't pick, watch pick up on Kyrgios's that. Watch under leg shot and it was, a, it was a big point. I think it was either Love 30 to him on Murray's serve or something like that and it was, oh, <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. And then you saw he saw Kyrgios's coach's face and he was just staring at him without saying a word, just looking at him with a devil eyes, just going, how dare you do that against Andy Murray? And Andy Murray was just chuckling to himself on the other side of the court going, I can't believe he's just done that. But anyway, yeah, go on YouTube, it's crazy. He did something similar in a, I can't remember which tournament it was earlier in the year where he just wasn't bothering and he lost the whole game. He just didn't bother Wimbledon, to hit it back. Wimbledon, when he walked was it across Wimbledon? the court, yeah, and he didn't, he didn't try to hit the ball back and he got a lot and then of he got, then. he got accused of, you know, not trying hard enough. And, yes. And oh, then there was see. some um, unfortunate, some of the old Australian legend players were, were putting it down to his race, which was unfortunate and saying you, you, you wouldn't get that from an Aussie, which was terrible. But yeah, oh yeah, no. But it's it was terrible to do that. You know, it's a terrible example to children who are watching you. And if he's the best Australian player or the most talented, and they're watching him do that, I I I just say you've got to ignore everything he does mm-hmm. because you know he's also got the 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 abuse that he gave to Vavrinka as well. And he didn't get picked for the for the Davis Cup, did he? No, I don't think so. No, I saw a picture of him standing. I think Cockney while the other place. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but, but you also have to imagine the extremes. You are talking about careers here, but imagine the extremes like Davis Cup, Hewitt is still slogging out. And the two extremes of Australian tennis, I would say, currently. Yeah, I don't think he could have possibly been considered for a team sport. I mean, considering, you know, obviously what he does. He doesn't even play for himself, let alone a team. Forget <laughs> the team. Hewitt's his coach, so, I think. Yeah. I think it is Leighton Hewitt is his coach. And Leighton Hewitt played the doubles, didn't he? And, and, yeah, and, who, Hewitt know, did play the doubles. So, you know, that just, just shows you if Leighton Hewitt's got any influence over the Australian team and he's the coach of Kyrgios, and Kyrgios can't get in that side, then that tells you all you need to know about his attitude to a team spot. So, Mara, your favourite moment or episode or whatever it may be related to the US Open? Mm, I'm trying to think now. Um, aside from the obvious ones, I mean, obviously the, the ladies' final was in, you know, I think it was good. For, the, for those two involved, you know, especially for Panetta, she was, you know, she now she's retired and she's for her kind of being at the top of her game. So that was a nice moment. Vinci beating Serena. And I think that the interview that she gave on court, did you guys see that? I think just the crowd loved her after that. I really thought that she would, I don't know, I think she got most of the support in the final, but 
her, her interviews were so funny and she was just like, I can't believe I've done this. I had booked my flight to go home. <laughs> she was, she was <laughs> funny. Yeah, she goes, I had to book my flight to go home. I didn't think I was going to beat anybody. That's madness, isn't it? Mm. And then she'd, um, you know, her just, you know, taking the trophy off of Panetta, you know, just little things like that. I think she's a breath fresh. Yeah, I just wish she'd done it a little bit sooner <laughs> instead of now. But, um, yeah, I think I think that was kind of a, a good moment for women's tennis, especially. And then Federer only Sabre. That was nice for, for me personally. I like that. That worked well until the end. <laughs> but, yeah, that's what kind you, of money. I think <clears throat> I'm also going to stick to women's tennis for me. Personally, I was really glad to see Venus Williams. Yeah, she did well. She, she was solid. Even against Serena, I thought she was solid. Because she's been so much, like, literally out of performance levels for last what two years now, she she's literally nowhere on the in the picture, and suddenly to have a strong Grand Slam tournament was very good to see. I, I I'm a huge fan of Venus Williams, so I was very happy to see Venus play well. For me, that's something I really enjoyed watching after a while. What do you guys make of her her playing Serena though? Because there was this you know sort of talk of her being really difficult for her and not wanting to stand in the way of her sister's dream and you know history and all this thing. It must have been so hard for her. I mean, people even saying that she might have let her win and things like that. I know it went to three sets and you know it was quite a close match. But what what do you guys think of that? They've been saying they've been saying that about Venus for years with Serena. Um, mm. But specifically this time yeah, with the, the slam it's on. It's terrible. It's terrible to suggest it. Um, mm. I can't. I can't say what Venus is thinking. No one can, mm. other than Venus. Um, we do know that um, the father is very influential on them both. But I, I cannot see for a second. Both of them are absolutely adamant that they try the hardest when they play each other. And that's all you can ask for, really. Serena's the best female tennis player, so she's gonna she's gonna win more, especially at the moment. I remember Venus beating Serena quite often as well when Serena was first coming through and didn't have the experience. So, you know, Venus is just the older sister, and, and like Sri was saying, has had the injury problems. So I'm not, I don't think it's anything to do with anything underhand. It'll, it'd be horrible yeah. if it was, but you can see why it would be a, an awkward situation. Playing your younger sister who's on, on for a grand slam. Didn't they play at Wimbledon as well? You know, so it's I think they did. The last two. But last there two was slams. far more one sided than this yeah, time. It was, yeah. But uh, there was also Djokovic coming and saying he can't imagine how these sisters are able to do it so many times. Djokovic came out and said, I can't even dream of playing my brothers even once. Yeah. It'd just be awkward, wouldn't it? It'd be, I yeah. don't know. It depends how you embrace it, I suppose. They've played each other that many times. Maybe they're used to it by now, but. It depends. I mean, guess you know. I guess if one sibling is really competitive, how they would react if the other beat them, and you know, if they're quite okay about it, then that's different, different match altogether. But yeah, I can see that it can be awkward around the dinner table at the end of the day when they've when she's just won a grand slam off her sister. But I guess they're used to it now. We we didn't yeah. mention my my favourite tennis player Petra Kvitova, who went out in the. Oh, what round did she go out in? I forgot. <laughs> Quarterfinal to Panetta, wasn't it? Not bad, not bad. But I think she was Three struggling sets. with the heat and she's asthmatic and she's ill and I'm making all the excuses for her now. Yeah. She I was, was a set up. She was a set she up, was and, set then up. <laughs> and then lost. She the was set up, not set up. It wasn't a set up. <laughs> it was, they put her in the midday heat when they knew she couldn't play. <laughs> but she's got, she's got mono, was it mononucleosis? Something like yeah, that. Is yeah, that what it's yeah. called? She's, she's not so I think that, yeah, she's just. There were some points when she couldn't even walk. You could see she was just struggling. But yeah, we forgot to mention mm. her. Maybe next time. <laughs> yeah. So before we close out, any plugs from you, Dan? Anything? I haven't got any plugs. I've got my dog barking. <laughs> <laughs> what did I have? I'll, 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 I'll plug my dog plug barking at no one. <laughs> I thought you were plugging some new ventriloquism. <laughs> uh, I've got a tactics pod coming up this week, and I'm on the main pod tomorrow. My first appearance for ages, so that should be fun as long as we win. If we don't, I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be grim. I'm gonna be more negative than you've ever heard me in my life if we lose today. <laughs> God, please no. Oh yeah. <laughs> and Umara, what about you? Any plugs? Anything new coming up? Um, I'm I was in the middle of writing something. I'm gonna finish that off. It was about Brendan Rogers. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, Is it going to change based on today? Probably, yeah. I've written you know two paragraphs. I'll probably have to scrap the whole thing <laughs> and start all over again. Um, yeah, I might. I've, I'm due to be on the Desi Pod this week, so look out for that. 
that's if Gags nice. changes his mind over tomorrow. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but yeah, so that'll be a fun one, hopefully. Yeah, so just look out for those. And from my side, we just recorded a global pod this morning with uh, me, Kaylin, Leroy, and Simon Brandish. We were talking about how an ideal model of recruitment is and how LFC are doing and how LFC are apply, applying whom they are recruited. So it's 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 an introduction pod. We are sure we are going to have multiple follow-up podcasts on the topic, so a high-level podcast. So that's something to look out for. And always a plug for Anfield Index app, channel app. Please download it if you are using iPhone. And that's about it. This is a wrap for episode two. We should be back soon with episode three, looking at the year-end championship. Thank you. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.